0: A podcast one production. <laughs>
1: Are you thinking back to our yeah. to our let's call it display? To our display <laughs> on Saturday night. Jacob, please, take oh, it away. We
2: really my my
1: <clears throat> Dulcet Turned. Award
0: winning Adonis <laughs> yes. Take it away Look at us, hello Gistners and welcome back For another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish award Winning podcast in which Rosie Waterland And I, Jacob William Stanley Give you just the gist of what you need To know about a story we think you'll find Interesting enough to share at a Dinner party and haven't we had Just the biggest weekend
1: Oh, Jacob <laughs> uh, Guys, we won We won <laughs> Our best entertainment podcast of the year at the Australian Podcast Awards. We won. Um, That's the very important one that's voted, like voted on by important fancy judges, not the listener's choice one, which by Mm. the way, we didn't win. So thanks for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, kidding. We were in the top 10. For the listeners' choice, there was mm. forty-five thousand different people voted for that one. So the fact we're in the top ten, thank you so much thank for very, very voting much. in and yes. going and doing that. But, Just lift
0: your game for next year. Yeah, would lift you? your
1: game for next time. But importantly, we won like the one based on merit, not on votes. We won mm. the one that said we are the best, <laughs>
0: which we did not see coming <laughs> no. at all. <laughs>
1: okay, so we feel like we want to say Australian Podcast Awards. Um, <laughs> clearly. We were not expecting to win, and we're a little worried that after the display we put on during our acceptance speech, you're never going to give us a chance to win anything ever again. So we're sort of trying to bask in the glory of it now because we feel like after Saturday night we'll never again be in that position. (laughs) But look... A lot of people were saying it seems like we were really plastered, but we weren't. We were just excited. Mm-hmm. Like we'd had, a, like I don't know, a couple glasses of wine each. We were dressed as Moira Rose because we thought we were going to lose. We've been mm. joking about it for weeks. I mean, we were <laughs> up against some incredible podcasts. We were up against Matt and Alex, The Shameless Girls, The Wellness Collective Mm. and The Convo by George Sargent and they're all really good. So we just kind of thought, oh, we'll dress up as Moira Rose and Mm. we'll, like, throw a pretend tanty when Mm. we lose just for lols to make you guys laugh. And then they announced... Matt and Alex in third place, and we were like, what? Yeah. And then they announced the Wellness <laughs> Collection in second place, and we were like, what? And then we were like, oh, well, it's going to go to, like, Shameless. Or, and then they announced us, and you can see.
2: Yeah.
1: We're going to play the audio for you right now of the very moment we realised we had won uh, when the glorious Georgia Love, I love that there was a Bachelor uh, sort of connection mm. in our uh, category. She announced the winner's. Um before they even said our name, they said the tagline of our show and we <laughs> lost it. Here's the audio.
0: Wait, turn your volume down first. Oh yes <laughs> warning
1: Turn your volume down, down, down.
2: The judges said this gold award winner
1: has made them sound really smart at dinner parties. <laughs> us going mental there was also a speech after that which I feel it's best nobody (laughs) ever hears because we okay I freaked out because we were like oh we promised we'd do it as Moira but then in the excitement of the moment so basically when I yelled at Jacob to shut up It's because we were screaming and the host on the Zoom call was looking at us like, stop screaming, you've got to give a speech. And so I went, shut up! And then I turned back and all my brain remembered was, you promised the fans Moira, you promised the fans Moira. But I couldn't remember any Moira words, so I went, this is delectable, sensational award. And then I was like, oh, shit, but you got to be serious. So I was like, oh, my God, and I tried to be sincere. I was like, thank you. Seriously, so much. We've worked really hard. Um, it's been two years in the making. Um, this means so much. This is our producer Felix, and and this is Jacob. Um, and so take it away, Jacob. But then I remembered that I promised I would make a joke about being on stage at the awards, and so then I was like, oh, and um, and I'm looking at the teleprompter, and they're calling us off. Um, but Jacob, say something, Moira Rosie. But then like. Before you could, they kind of cut us off and yes. it was just, it was, it was all a schmuzzle.
0: <laughs> Oh But
1: we were thrilled.
0: We were thrilled and we were just high on life because yes. we got a big old shot of adrenaline and endorphins yes. when we won something we were not expecting to win at all. And we promise that we'll never put on a spectacle like that ever again if you invite us back, Australian Podcast Awards, yes. we, we are, promise.
1: We are truly honoured <laughs> and truly um, just thrilled and it was clearly unexpected Mm. and while we weren't drunk in that moment let me tell you we were about an hour later (laughs) we had a pretty big night um even the shameless girls the next morning sent me a message saying, loved that audio message last night from you and Jacob, and Jacob and I were like,
0: what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs>
0: yeah, the terrors set in at about 11am when <laughs> we started getting replies from all the people we had obnoxiously sent things to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, But, no, we. it really is actually just... We were so honoured. Yeah. It is such a big deal. Like yeah. Because we, we do work so hard on it. Yes. And, like, it's – we um have put so much effort into making it perfect and to be recognised in that way is really, really lovely. Yes. And can I just mention that given – Mum says, My memoir is a lie. One podcast of the year in 2018. I'm now a multi award winner of podcasting. (laughs) As
0: is Felix.
1: Oh, yeah. As is Felix, who was also the producer on Mum Says. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that's Baby.
0: Congratulations to both of you.
1: Congratulations to Podcast
0: royalty, you are now.
1: Yes. Well, kind of. Mm. Every podcast I've made has won an award. (laughs) Two for two. (laughs) Two for two. So that's enough about us winning. We were thrilled. Thank you so much to everyone. Yeah, thanks for your support. Oh, should we get to breaking news?
0: Yeah, do you want to know? Oh, no, it's your topic this week.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, we just wanted to talk about winning. We just forgot the show. And that's the episode. And goodbye. Thank you. Um, Right. This week, I am doing the, it's kind of a downer story, I guess. Uh, I'm doing the Jenny Jones murder. Okay. So Jenny Jones was a talk show in the 90s. Uh, it was one of those really tacky.
2: Ricky Lake um, style.
1: Screwing my cousin and mama, I slept with your boyfriend kind of shows. Yeah, Ricky Springer, Lake style, yeah. Springer style. Um, They had an episode called Guess My Secret Crush. Mm. A guy came on. He'd been told that one of his friends had a secret crush on him, mm. came out on stage, found out the friend was a male. Oh, Three days later, he was so embarrassed that he went and shot that and killed that man. His friend. Yes. And so it became a huge story in the 90s because it was the first time, it was in 1995 when it happened, Mm. and it was the first time anybody really started to think about the damage these shows were doing to people. Mm. It was also the most famous case of what is called the gay panic defense. Oh. So this guy used the gay panic defense in court, which we'll get into. So that's okay. what we're talking about
0: today. All right. This is going to be real lighthearted yay. fun. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: first, breaking news, a and news. I got the scoop. See, X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. A brick news. And screw all of you, hate this song because we won an award. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 so obnoxious. <laughs> so
1: obnoxious. We're, we're going to not stop being obnoxious about it for a while, I think.
0: I think we've got a good three months in us. Well, I yeah. think do
1: we get a trophy.
0: Oh, I hope it's Fifi's a gold nodding. medal.
1: We get a trophy. I'm telling you right now it's gonna go on the mantle next to my acra, so I'll be keeping that <laughs> because I want to have a little collection.
0: I'll keep mine at your house because I don't have a house. We'll
1: work up to the I'll work up to the Oscar. So we're recording from Sydney together this week. This is the first time we've been in the studio together for so long. Since
0: late June or early July. I know.
1: Yeah. And that's because a little bit of breaking news which I love this week, is that Adelaide thought they were special enough to have a super strain of COVID, (laughs) the likes of which had not been seen anywhere else in the world. It was a mutant strain that sticks to pizza boxes and jumps off and gets people, and they shut the whole uh, state of South Australia down. So I was really devastated because I thought Mm. I wouldn't be able to come here for the awards and I wouldn't be able to record these episodes with you. And then South Australia was like, oh, no, wait, see, when presented with two options, one, that we had a mutant super strain of a disease, the likes of which had never been seen before in the world, or two, someone maybe wasn't honest with us and we should look a little bit deeper into it, it was option number two. (laughs) Somebody told them a fib about where he worked, and so then they assumed all this wrong stuff and they thought it was a pizza Mm. box and not a person, and so then they were like, lol, um takesies, backsies, lockdown over. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am in Sydney. are such drama queens and I <laughs> yeah.
0: love them for it. I love
1: it. it. I mean, they did the right thing based on the information that they had. It was
0: very admirable. It was. Yeah. I
1: will say, though, I think given it's their job to figure out that information and given the economic, like, slam in the face that was to a lot of businesses, even for the three days things shut down, shouldn't they just kind of, like, this guy lied about where he worked, mm. like, which people have so many reasons for doing that. It's turned out now he's on a visa and so mm. there could be so many reasons why he was scared to tell them the truth. And isn't it their job to be like, oh, we'll just check the employee list or, or we'll, even if he's not on the list, we'll just ask other people, like, did they have no means of figuring out who worked at that shop?
0: Ask him for the receipt. Look yeah, at like, some CCTV. Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> so anyway, anyway. It's over. It's done. Mm. I got to come to Sydney. Yep. And the day I got to Sydney, I went straight, pretty much straight from the airport to my sister's house to see the kids. And so the breaking news besides Adelaide that I want to give you this week is my sister Rhiannon, after an idea she came up with seven years ago, has in the last few weeks finally opened her first business. <gasps> I know. She... I'm so proud of it. Okay, I'm about to start crying. I feel like we'll get, I know, we'll get her. I want to get her on and do like interview her about how she did this Mm. because it's nuts. So about my sister Rhiannon. you know, she has five kids. She's uh, three years older than me and, you know, always just kind of worked in whatever jobs she could get because she had a lira when she was 17. So like she never really had the option. She felt like the option of studying or doing anything bigger outside of just working to pay the bills wasn't really available to her. But about seven years ago now, she started talking about how she wanted to become a nurse because she wanted to be able to open like a business doing cosmetic nursing, which Mm. I think seven years ago, she was uh, predicting a trend that even then wasn't as big as it is now. Oh,
0: It was very much in its infancy back then. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: she wanted to, you know, do things like um, wrinkle, injectables, all that kind of stuff. And she was like, I don't think I can ever do it though, Rosie, because, you know, like I'd have to get my nursing degree. And then once you get a nursing degree, you have to then get even more extra diplomas on top of that. And then I have to even figure out how to start a business. And she already had Alira. Then she'd also had Muhammad, So she had two kids at the time. And I remember like, she just said, well, I said, well, just start. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first step is you've got to get a nursing degree. So just just start. Mm-hmm. So she took up a nursing degree part time. Mm-hmm. So what should take three years is gonna take her six. And then went on to have three more children. She had Aya <laughs> and she had the twins. Oops. And she just kept plugging away at it, and there were nights where she would call me crying, saying she didn't think she was going to get through it. She didn't think she would pass this, this semester like she and she was like working as well and and like, so you know, by the end, she had five kids, she was working, she was studying then um she finished her nursing degree, which included, by the way, practical placements. so there were in the year that she had newborn twins, she was also doing four, six, eight week nursing placements. 14 hours a day at different hospitals around Sydney. I just, I can't even (laughs) describe to you. Like, I don't know how she did it. When I was at her house the other day, from the moment I walked in the door, it is mayhem in there. Like, Mm. so I walk in the door, downstairs, the twins who are one now were like playing in their little playlist pen, but there was no one around. And then all of a sudden, Aya, who's three, comes bolting down to give me a hug. And she's in her nappy and nothing else. And she goes, I broke the aircon. I broke the aircon. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I didn't know what was happening. And then Rhiannon comes down like 20 minutes later. I'm like, where is she? She comes down 20 minutes later and she's like, oh, the kids were jumping on the bed. One of them went flying off the bed, bumped into the aircon. The aircon smashed. And the dirty water from inside it went all over the bed that she just put clean sheets on the bed, went all over Aya's clothes. So that's why Aya was in her nappy. And so it was like this whole thing. And she's like, hey, good to see you. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Ten minutes later, Aya's in the new outfit. She's changed the nappies of the kids. Muhammad's there. And then um, ten minutes later, Aya comes up to me really quiet and she goes, Wolsey, I've got to show you something. And she looked like really scared. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. She goes, Woolsey come to the garage and I was like oh okay so she pulls me in and she pulls me and she goes look and I was like what and she goes I made a mistake (laughs) and I went what She goes, I made a mistake and I was like trying to look around and then she pointed and all of a sudden I saw what she was pointing at Rhiannon had uh the bathroom door in the garage that she'd taken off the hinges because she had a massive tin of paint because she was repainting the (laughs) bathroom door Aya had tipped over the entire tin of paint all over the floor and she was petrified. And she's going, Rosie, Rosie, I made a mistake and I was scared. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, okay. I said, we've got to tell your mum. And she's like, no. And I was like, we'll tell her together. And so I called out to Rihanna and I was like, um, Rihanna? She's like, yeah. I said, um. We've got a bit of a situation <laughs> here in the garage. And she's like, oh, bloody what? Oh. <laughs> like, well, there's always something <sighs> with the kids. And so she comes in and I was... And she, and she, I pointed at the paint. I was like, we've had a little accident. And Rhiannon's like, oh, bloody hell, Aya, I told you not <laughs> to go near the paint. And Aya's like hiding behind my skirt, going, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. So then Rhiannon's got the roller and she's trying, cause she needs the paint. So she's like trying to quickly paint the door with yeah. the paint off the floor as quickly as she can before. Like, and then she's getting, she's sending Muhammad to go and get towels and he's trying to help clean it up. So then we finally, like, Get all of that cleaned up. And then, like, 10 minutes later, one of the twins like shat out of her nappy and poop was all <laughs> oh, over the God. ground. And so Muhammad's like Muhammad is actually a godsend. He's the sweetest little boy, like eight years old. And he used to be really naughty. But I think since A has become a handful, he's mm. realized I gotta start being good now. So yeah, house. he actually is really mm. good. Um, and then, and then, so it was just bloody mayhem. And then another point, AS built food all over herself and all of this had happened within like 60 minutes of me being in the house, all Mm -hmm. of this had happened. Mm -hmm. And then AS built food all all over herself. She needed to change again. So I was taking her upstairs to get changed. And as I get to the top of the stairs, Alira just comes out of her bedroom like, oh, hey. I was like, that's Rhiannon's 17-year-old, 18-year-old daughter. I was like, Alira, are you aware of the stress downstairs downstairs <laughs> where have you been i'm been sleep i was like do you know what's gone on in the 90 minutes since i've got here it's a madhouse and she's like why do you think i'm in my room oh. so. <laughs> Allera, not helpful so literally that is what happened within 90 minutes of me being in that house and rhiannon finished a degree in that. Then she did all her extra stuff that she had to learn to become a specialist in all the injectable kind of things. And she has now in the last few weeks finally after a little idea she came up with seven years ago that she thought was just so far away and she would never get there but she just kept plugging away Mm. at it, plugging away at it, plugging away at it. She started her business. Yay, congratulations, So, Marie. if you go to Nurse on Instagram, she works in Sydney and um go and have a look at what she does. She's really amazing. Like she's going to do some stuff to me tomorrow. Like she uh, apparently I'm getting, I don't know, something to make my skin look smooth and nice. And she was like, "So what like what frown lines don't you like?" And I said, "Oh probably this one." She was looking at my forehead going like, "Well, that's the lateral muscle connected to the blah blah blah." And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you actually, like, that sounded really smart. Mm-hmm. And she's like, because I've been studying for but seven years. Nurse. Yeah, she's, she's a, a nurse. nurse. I don't know how she did it. I'm yeah. just so proud of her. Yeah. And I know this was, like, a really long breaking news just about my sister, but the fact that she got that done in that house. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, she's a hero. She's a champion.
1: I know. Mm. And so I just, I'm. I'm so dying for her business to do well, which I'm sure it will. She's already got heaps of appointments. Um, She's really good at what she does. And, um, yeah, if you want to go to her, you should support a new business from someone who literally spent the last seven years of her life trying to make it happen against a lot of pretty crazy odds. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: It's an amazing success story. And I have to say we've had a lot of fun brainstorming the name for the business yeah, as I well, know. she and I, because when you take the names of all of her kids, the only acronym that you can create is LLAMA. L-L-A-M-A. L-L-A-M-A. <laughs> and so then I was just dying for her to call the business LLAMA Lips Beauty Bar. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope that's still in the mix, but we're yeah, still debating some options. I think
1: she does still need to pick a name. But um, for now, yeah, go to Nurse on Instagram and mm. you can find all her contact details there. And I just, we've got to get her on and talk about how she actually did that. because. Yeah. I was meant it's to stay remarkable. I was meant to stay over that night and I left about half an hour later. I was like <laughs> I'm exhausted. Bye. <laughs> so, and she finished a degree and started a business. So it's nuts.
0: <sighs> I'm exhausted just thinking about that. I know that. me
1: too. I'm actually really ugh, podcast over. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm really tired even just reminiscing on what happened a few days ago. The last piece of breaking news <laughs> I have for you is a tale of two very different social media strategies from two very different companies. Mm. So I don't know if you've noticed, but four seasons total landscaping. My heroes. Yeah. Killing it in a social media <laughs> oh, yes. game. I don't know what they who they've got, if they hired someone or if someone at the company is just really smart and funny. This is obvious this is of course the place we talked about a couple weeks ago that the accidental Trump press conference happened yeah. there. They have just taken the ironic love and hilarity of them and the situation and taking advantage of it they've made merch they've got this hilarious instagram account Mm. they're constantly burning trump on twitter it's really funny like (laughs) it's they've just totally embraced oh yeah the hilarity of what happened Mm -hmm. um and people have loved them for it so Mm -hmm. i'm sure it is sending their business through the roof i mean if not for landscaping, at least for merch.
0: Oh, they sell out immediately. (laughs) I've been keeping an eye on what I can purchase and it all just goes in a flash.
1: Yeah, and then compare that to this other company this week. There's a very famous TikTok account of this guy who worked at a paint company and he started making these videos where you pour a few different paints into the paint mixing machine And then on TikTok, because TikTok videos go for, like, 30 seconds, you have to guess what color the paint is going to be before the mixing ends. Mm. So he'll put in, like, yellow, green, purple, purple, something, and then you have to be like, that's going to be magenta. It was his fun videos. And Mm. they went nuts. Like, they were getting millions of views. People were really obsessed with this paint mixing game. He worked at this very famous paint company called Sherwin-Williams, then he came out about a week ago and said they fired me because they said I was embarrassing the company. Oh, They didn't want me to be doing that kind of thing online and let me go. Oh. And all these people were like, that is the dumbest thing you could have possibly got- done. They got decimated on Twitter and Instagram, and they just started releasing these really boring things like, you know, a photo of a paint tin, on- and they'd be like, today we're celebrating our yellow paint. Oh, and the people would be like, oh, my God. <laughs> You fired the best thing that ever happened to you guys. Like, and so it was this huge uproar that this kid got fired for. Literally, he got them the attention of millions of people, and they were like, You're embarrassing us. Bye. So it just goes to show the difference between understanding social media and not.
0: Big time. Big
1: time. <laughs> Crazy, right? It is. This kid got fired, but all these other people have offered him jobs oh, because yeah. what he did was really clever. He's
0: got a bright future um, and they Yeah, he
1: does, and they basically have
0: been cancelled.
1: <laughs> people have been like, idiots. They're kind of like the boomer of people have just been like, okay, boomer, let's go get our paint from someone cool. Like Stuart Semple.
0: <gasps> oh, imagine if he got a job at Four Seasons. Oh. <gasps> That would be so perfect.
1: All right, that's enough. We enough obnoxious talk about nonsense from us.
0: <sighs> On to the gay hate crimes. <laughs>
1: ah, huzzah! All right, that was <laughs> breaking news.
0: Hey, listeners. it's Jacob here, and we just want to give you a little heads up that this week's story might just be a little bit distressing or a little bit triggering to members of the LGBTQIA community in particular. Um, if you do find that it does affect you in that way, then we'd love to encourage you to contact Lifeline on 13, 11, 14, um, and we'll provide a link to their services as well as a couple of others in our show notes this week as well. Enjoy.
1: Okay, here we go. Our very first proper topic as an award winning podcast.
0: Ooh, how deep are we going?
1: oh, uh, uh, well, it's just the gist. Yeah. That's the name of the show. <laughs> Welcome. We can't really yeah.
0: <laughs> pivot away from the concept now, can we?
1: <laughs> Glad you're on board. Mm. <laughs> okay. So this happened in nineteen ninety five, which like I said, was pretty much the height of those really tacky middle of the day talk shows. Yep. And everybody had one like there was Ricky Lake was a famous one. Geraldo Mm. was a famous one. Jerry Springer was probably the most famous one Mm. because he got people to have, like, fist bites. Mm. Um, There was a guy called Montel Williams, who Mm. I really liked. Um, Maury Povich. Maury Povich, Mm. who he went on to become famous for doing the The DNA Says You Are Not The Father. (laughs) But that didn't come till later because Mm. it was 1995. But, yeah, so uh, Oprah even started off. Her show was like this at first, mm-hmm. but because Oprah's Oprah when she decided to sort of change direction to something with a bit that became the Oprah show mm-hmm. that you sort of remember. I think she was such a brilliant host that she was able to pull off a daytime talk show without all the salacious stories, but the others weren't as good as Oprah. Yep. Um and in order to keep ratings up, they needed to do more and more ridiculous things. So I mean like Some of the headlines, like I said before, you know, I'm having an affair with my stepdad. One of my favorites was, (laughs) you took my virginity, then you took off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mom, I'm having sex with my cousin or all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, Jenny Jones had hoped to be like Oprah. So Mm. she'd hoped to sort of do a more dignified, let's just reach women and Mm. talk about important issues But she quickly realised that, you know, attempting to be like Oprah isn't easy because Oprah is fricking Oprah and nobody wanted to watch Jenny Jones unless she was doing outrageous stuff. Mm -hmm. And if she wanted to keep her show and keep her job, she needed to like really get down in the weeds with all the other tacky people. Mm. An example of an episode of hers at the time, which I watched footage of, is One Night Stands, Reunited. And so they had this guy come out. And this girl's sitting there and it's meant to be like, oh, how awkward. Like we had a one-night stand once and they're looking at each other and giggling and then the girl goes, "Um, I want you to know that two months later I realised I was pregnant. And then Jenny Jones is like, here's your baby. No. And then they bring this baby out and this guy <laughs> is sitting there. There's a nine-month-old baby and he's like. And that, like the, just the the fear and shock, <laughs> and he's trying to look like I'm on national television, so I can't be a dick, but I somebody kill me. Like, it, that's so cruel. Yeah, that's that the so- kind of stuff that he did. <laughs> oh, no. So, this is the context within. Which the Jenny Jones show existed and the kind of stuff the Jenny Jones show was doing. The
0: gotcha moments.
1: Gotcha moments. They called it ambush television. Oh, no. They actually called it ambush television.
0: That's inhumane. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and they were all real? like
1: All real. Oh. All real. I think back then people were still quite naive about shows like this, so I think mm. it was easy to get people on. But people are still naive now. Like mm. people say... How does show like how does shows like MAFS keep getting contestants? And it's like mm. because people want to be on TV, they don't. They never think something bad. It, they never think it will end badly for them.
0: Even Carol Baskin on Tiger.
1: Yeah. What is it, Tiger, Tiger King. King? Yeah. yeah.
0: That like so many people said, no, she had to be guilty because she looked so guilty. Yeah. And so much of it really did just sort of come down to editing, and if you were to say, she probably actually went into it with the benefit of the doubt that she was going to come out looking like the hero. Well,
1: yeah, she did say she thought it was going to be like Blackfish, but for tigers, Mm. and that she was going to be the hero of that story. Mm. Meanwhile, they didn't tell her, oh, no, we're making you look like a nutter who killed your first husband. Like, Mm. mm. there was a great quote I heard when I was watching a bunch of stuff about this. People stopped caring about the difference between shame and fame.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it was like, you'll become, you'll be shamed out of your mind, but you'll at least be on TV. Yeah, famous or
0: infamous, you might get on Dancing with the Stars. which
1: she did. (laughs) So, and I think, I think she's making like 10 TikTok, uh, what do you, not TikToks, cameos, where she Mm. records special messages for people who pay for it. And she's charging like 300 pugs a pop for those things. Uh. So anyway. So that's the context in which it was all happening. And then there was a guy called Scott Armador. He's a gay dude in his 20s living in like this little town in America, loves the Jenny Jones show, Mm -hmm. loves, loves, loves. And he sees an advertisement saying, do you have a secret crush on someone? Mm -hmm. And do you want to tell them on the Jenny Jones show? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, my gosh, yes, I do have a crush on someone. So he calls and applies. They call him back. And when they find out that he's gay and that he has a crush on a man and he Mm. doesn't know if that man is gay, they're like, ding, ding, ding. Yes, thanks. Mm. We'll have you on. And his two best friends are Jonathan and Donna. He has a crush on Jonathan. And so the show calls Jonathan and says, somebody has a secret crush on you. We'll give you a free trip to LA if you agree to come on the show and have this person tell you who has a crush on you. Mm. Now, because they're a little trio that hangs out all the time, Jonathan kind of, he doesn't think it would be Scott. He thinks it's going to be Donna. So he thinks Mm. they're going to get there and Donna's going to say, he's going to crash and you will get a free trip, whatever. So the three of them all fly out to LA to go on the show, but Jonathan doesn't know that Scott and Donna are coming. He doesn't Mm. know who's going to be there. He's like backstage with headphones on and a blindfold and doesn't know what's happening. Mm. So Scott and Donna come out on stage To be like one of us has a secret crush on someone. And Jenny Jones opens the show and she goes, How would you tell someone you have a crush on them? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Would you write them a letter? B, tell them in private and hope they don't reject you? Or C, would you tell the person you're gay and you hope he is too on national television? And then the audience starts screaming. And that's when they realize that out of Donna and Scott sitting there, Scott's the one who's going to tell someone. And um, Donna's just there to be like a supportive fag hag, you know, and like, and so um, I don't think that's a right term. I'm just saying that's how they were treating her back then. And, They basically start asking him all these questions while Jonathan, the guy, is backstage, Mm -hmm. has no idea, just wanted a free trip to LA. Mm -hmm. And so Jenny Jones is really working Scott up. And his family said that he, ever since he was young, loved performing, was a bit of a show pony, loved the idea of being on television. He served in the army and then he became like a mechanic, but... His dream was always really to be involved in, like, performing or mm. or being on TV or in theatre or something. So just to be on TV, you can tell he's having a lot of fun with it. Mm. Like, he's just really excited to be there. And Jenny Jones is really milking this segment. So she goes, um, you know, do you know if he's, like, he's a friend of the two of you, do you know if he's gay? and scott's like no i don't know if he's gay and donna says well we know that his family have questioned him a few times about whether he is Mm. and then jenny jones says what is it that's so exciting about him to you Mm. and scott kind of plays it up a bit he goes oh well he's got a cute little hard body and then like the audience starts cheering so scott's like oh this is fun and he goes you know it's one you want to just pick up and put in your curio cabinet and just dust him off once in a while. Oh. Like, he's just, like, being really campy and silly. <laughs> yeah. and, and then Jenny Jones, like, is, like, um, ooh, like, and so tell us, like, what kind of, like, you know, passionate things do you think about it? Do you have any fantasies oh, about him? God. Like, she's trying to get him to say stuff. Mm. And then he looks a bit frazzled, like he wasn't expecting that question. And he goes, oh, you know, um, I've got a pretty big hammock in my yard. I wouldn't mind, like you know, tying him up there and giving him some whipped oh, cream boom. and some oh. champagne. Like, he just, he, he's hes on t- stage and he's getting asked these questions. He's, like, trying to. He's,
0: he's gone blue. Yeah, it, he's uh, just,
1: like, saying, oh, like, and everyone's laughing and cheering. Like, you can sort of see he's a bit thrown, but he's just, like,
2: oh, trying no. to play up
1: to the crowd. Yeah. Like, he's having, you know, and she's encouraging him. And so he said all this stuff about his hard little body and having a crush on him and blah, blah, blah. And then um, Jenny Jones goes, well, let's get the headphones off Jonathan and get him out here to see who has the crush on him. And so Donna and Scott are sitting there. Jonathan comes out and he sees the both of them and his face is like, oh, I kind of thought it was going to be you guys. And then Jenny Jones says to Jonathan, did you think Donner had a crush on you? And he goes, Oh, I didn't, I didn't think so. I thought we were just good friends. Yeah. And then Jenny Jones is like, well, guess what? She doesn't. It's Scott. Scott has a crush on you. <laughs> like she doesn't, she doesn't want to mess with that nonsense. She's like, let's get to it. Yeah. And then Jonathan turned to Donna and Scott and started laughing and said, You guys lied to me. So I think maybe they'd talked about like mm. something. Like he obviously wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But he's taking it really well. He's laughing. He's like being really good natured. Uh-huh. But he does look a bit. T- like he's like smile mm. take this fine but uh mm. he just keeps laughing and but he's being good-natured about it yep. and then Jenny Jones goes let's play a video of some of the things Scott just said while you were backstage oh, no. and they've already put it no. into a package and they start oh. playing all of it but sort of out of context so they don't show no. Jenny Jones's questions they just show John uh Scott going like
2: you know, gosh, gosh! gosh. A
1: hard little body and I want to put him in a cabinet and I, I want to tie him up with champagne like they don't show that Jenny Jones was goading him, him to mm. say things and so Jonathan looks mortified like he's got his head behind his hands but he's laughing he's mm. like ah oh, ha ha laughing laughing and then um, Jenny Jones goes you know did you have any idea he liked you this much and Jonathan's like no no and And then she goes, well, can you tell us what your status is? Are you involved with anybody or not? And Jonathan says, no, no, I'm not. I'm not involved with anybody at all. But, um, you know, I'm definitely heterosexual. (laughs) Like he says, Mm -hmm. he says definitely. Mm. And then like everyone in the crowd's like, oh, but then there's a few straight guys in the crowd going, oh, yeah. And like, it's very, it's just all like. Gross and voyeuristic. So gross. And then Jenny Jones turns to Scott and she's like, are you disappointed? You're gay. And you came on national TV mm. and asked your best friend, Jonathan, if he was gay because you have a crush on him. And he doesn't seem to, to him it seemed more about just coming to LA and going on TV. He's like, no, I'm not mm. disappointed at all. And then like, Jonathan goes to say something and Scott goes to also say something But it's like, well, your segment's over. We're done with you. Like, let's get the next lines and slaves into the arena. And she just cuts them (laughs) off and goes, well, it's a nice compliment, isn't it? We're going to commercial break. Like, they they weren't even allowed to have any kind Mm. of conversation about it. And so Mm. then they just cut them off and it's done. Yeah. And that's the end of the segment. Apparently, the three of them, Jonathan Scott and Donna, all hang out afterwards because they're all booked on the same flight home the next day because there's no Mm. reason to keep them apart now that it's all out in the open. Yeah. And apparently they were fine. Donna says later that Jonathan didn't seem upset. He just was like, you guys got me. And Mm. Scott, you know, was like, oh, sorry. Like, you know, it's all in good fun. And Mm. apparently everything was fine. But then three days later, which Donna insists was a joke, they wanted to, like, just kind of make a joke out of it to make sure Jonathan was fine with it. Mm. Scott left a note on Jonathan's apartment door saying um, it had, like, a construction lamp tied to the note, Mm. and the note said something like, blah, 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 no hard feelings, but if you want this light to switch off, I'm the only one who has the tool to turn it off. So he left a flashing lamp on his thing saying, you've got to come to my trailer to get this lamp turned off. And Donna later said, like, we thought it was funny. Mm. Like, we were just, like, taking the piss but when Jonathan got that note, apparently they say that's the thing that made him snap, but mm. I use the word snap loosely because what he does now is quite, feels, doesn't feel snappish to me, but he um, gets that note, he drives to the bank, he gets some money out, mm-hmm. he drives to a hardware store and buys a shotgun and bullets because this is America and you can just go buy a shotgun yep. and bullets. Mm. The shop lady said he seemed super calm, super friendly he then drove to Scott's trailer where he lived with a roommate. A
0: roommate in a trailer?
1: Well, these are those trailers that are like, it's like a trailer home. So uh-huh. it's, it's bigger than a trailer, but it's still like a trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the roommate said later that Jonathan knocked on the door and he asked Scott if um, Scott was the one who left the note. And Scott was like, yes. Mm. And then Jonathan said, okay, I'm just going to go turn the car off indicating he was going to come in. Mm. He went back to his car, got the shotgun, walked into the trailer, and Jonathan then, like, kind of pointed it at him, the shotgun at him, and Scott freaked out and picked up a wicker chair. Like, mm. I don't know, I guess if someone's pointing a gun at you, you freak, Yeah. picked up this wicker chair, and Jonathan fired twice, hit him in the chest, and he died. Uh-huh.
0: Oh. Jonathan
1: immediately left. He didn't harm the roommate. The mm. roommate was standing there watching the whole time. Mm. He immediately left, drove to a gas station, got on a pay phone, and called the police. Mm. And he was hysterically crying on the phone saying, I killed someone. I just killed someone. Mm. I shot someone. He died. And the 911 operator said, why? Why did you kill someone? And he said, because he played a very bad thing on me. He took me on Jenny Jones. He's a homosexual. Mm. And so the police came. This was 1995. And so as we've talked about before, this was like cable news, the height Mm. of cable news becoming 24 hours a day, news being entertainment, ratings Mm. being important. You know, it was like OJ Simpson trial territory. And so because of like reporters tuning into police scanners and stuff, they heard Mm. that call so reporters and cameras were everywhere at Scott's house before Scott's brother even had a chance to get there. So oh, the police called no. Scott's brother, said there's been this accident. By the time he gets in his car and drives to Scott's house, reporters and TV cameras film Scott's brother's face as his body is carried out oh, of the house. Oh, in a body
0: bag. Like, that's so heartless. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. And already people were assuming it had something to do with the Jenny Jones show, mm. which hadn't aired. It had only been filmed mm. three days earlier. It hadn't aired. Mm. But all the, like, reporters were just interviewing neighbours and they were all saying, well, you know, like, we know they went on the Jenny Jones show a few days ago. We think it has something to do with that, but we haven't seen it. like yet. So mm. it was just kind of like this loose story of this guy came and shot this gay guy and we think it has something to do with the Jenny Jones show and it just blew up as a news story, like, that day. And they mm. had the footage of the brother sitting there watching the body bag and it became an overnight just massive story. Yeah. Um this was also a huge story on Court TV, which mm-hmm. at the time was a channel that literally just played all day every day footage from inside courtrooms, live streams from inside courtrooms. Mm-hmm. And other than the O.J. Simpson trial, this was probably one of the biggest ratings hits for Court TV. Mm-hmm. People were obsessed with this. A whole bunch of stuff in this trial comes out about Jonathan,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that he was incredibly abused as a kid mm-hmm. and that he had suffered from pretty bad depression and had tried to kill himself a bunch of times. They said they, they were pretty much trying to come up with any excuses to why he shot Scott. They mm-hmm. said he had Graves' disease, a thyroid disorder, so his brain was misfiring. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I have a thyroid disorder and I don't shoot people. <laughs> then they said, oh... It was self-defence because he feared for his life when Scott picked up the wicker chair. Oh, Like they were just, they were trying everything. Just
0: throw everything at the wall and see what sticks.
1: Exactly. And that's when during the trial they were like, oh, also gay panic. And that's Mm. when they started using this thing called the gay panic defence, which Mm. is what it sounds like. It's basically a legal defence saying I was so traumatised by this person of the same gender coming on to me Mm. or by this trans person coming near me mm. that I temporarily went insane and killed them. That is pretty much the gay panic defence.
0: Is that what they used with Matthew Shepard
1: yes. as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the gay the gay panic defence, it's been around, they've tracked it back to official court documents as early as the 50s. Oh. But obviously, like, people have been killing gay members of the queer people, community yeah. forever mm. because of homophobia Um, but it's traced back officially in court documents to the 50s. There's no official law or legislation saying, like, gay panic is a defence, but when a defence has been successfully used so many times in court, it becomes official precedent. So you can say, well, other people successfully said that Mm. this was a thing, so I'm saying that too. So Mm. it kind of became, after a while, considered a legitimate thing people could use Mm. to get out of, you know, trouble for violently hurting or killing someone. Mm. So Jonathan's legal team went for it. Like they had all these experts and specialists saying that from the moment he'd walked out on stage on the Jenny Jones show and um, Scott had given him a hug, he went into fight or flight mode and didn't break out of it until the moment he Mm. shot him. Yeah, I know, get effed. The media jumped on this defence. It was probably, although the gay panic defence had been around for a while, this was the most famous uh, case of it and the most it had been talked about in the wider kind of um, media. Mm -hmm. And it became an international topic of conversation in a really awful way, kind of in a way that when I was researching this, it reminded me a lot of when Australia was, uh, what did we call it when we were Looking to vote yes? What um, the- plebiscite? Plebiscite. Thanks, Phoebe. Yeah, uh, Phoebe. Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe. <laughs>
0: That's your new name. Thanks,
1: Phoebe. The plebiscite, like which members of the queer community said, <clears throat> was an awful time for them yeah, because basically for a year mm. you're having people debate in front of you whether or not they think you're worth being allowed to marry yeah. the person you love.
0: What human rights we deserve to have yes. or not have? Yeah. Yes,
1: mm. right. And so that's why I it reminded me of this because this became a national topic of international topic of conversation really everyone was talking about it it was kind of like oh but like did he have a right to panic maybe he did and on all the panel shows all the news shows or everything like Larry King and whatever everyone wasn't just saying no it's abhorrent this man violently shot someone it was like oh actually let's look a little further into this like Maybe Jonathan's a victim too. Like, it wasn't completely dismissed. So Mm -hmm. you basically had people arguing, oh, like, are we allowed to just shoot gay people if they freak us out a bit? Mm. Like, I can't imagine living through that.
0: I'm not surprised because I grew up on the Central Coast with a lot of misogynistic boys who from a very young age would say things very openly like, if a gay person hit on me, I would kill them.
1: And people and would I be heard like, that "Fair growing
0: Up all the time, yes. How did that it make was you feel? Awful. I mean, that is why so many people take so long to come out because yeah. they are just reviled from such a young age. The way that people talk about. Gay, queer, trans people yeah. When they're young In that sort of community And in the 90s in particular I'm sure it's a lot better now yeah. But back then That was the rhetoric All the time The worst thing you could possibly be Was gay And that's the thing I think this The irresponsibility With this whole story That makes mm. it so tragic Starts with the fact That they would Have this sort of thing On a TV show mm. And Jerry Springer Ricky Lake So often they would have Episodes that were dedicated To guys being surprised By yeah. some a gay person Coming onto them or this is really there a man was a lot, yeah, that you're you, dating. You've
1: been sleeping with someone who is actually a. It's a man. It's a trans woman, yeah. and you people were furious and it was awful. Yeah,
0: and that just really fueled the fire and that's why it became a big part of the conversation of, like, what would you do if a gay person hit on you? And it was, like, it was a and it's, valid, it's, it's acceptable thing. It's like, oh, it's thing. up
1: for discussion. Yeah. No, it shouldn't be. Yeah,
0: but that was really sort of normalised back then and <sighs> it was dreadful and I think it's terrible that the show did that. I don't think that it was very um, sensitive for Scott mm. to do what he did in that way. I think yeah, that was yeah, very yeah. narrow-sided. yeah, yeah. None of that, though, excuses what Jonathan actually then no. went ahead and did. No, and this,
1: this is the conversation that goes on to happen. And <sighs> I'm sorry you felt that way. What is sad to me is that if this was 1995, you would have been what, you six? Uh, you five, yeah. You, you mm. five, you would have, mm. you would have seen this. This was on the news, so mm. whether you remember it or not, you would have seen it. You would have internalized it. You would have heard a conversation about whether or not it was okay that this guy killed this gay dude. Yeah.
0: Like it's. I do just want to also say that the vast majority of people who grew up having that sort of conversation in their, you know, preteens and teenage years grew out of it.
2: Yeah. And some of my
0: best, best, best friends, um, you know, used to say that sort of thing, but obviously grew up and Mm. were able to step away from that sort of culture. But that was sort of the mainstream thinking.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you were on the sunny coast. I was for a lot of my childhood in, you know, Western Sydney, Penrith, Mm. Blue Mountains. It was the same there. Mm. And the thing is once you, it's, you can't help how you're raised and what people tell you when you're young, but once you know better, that's when you do better. Mm. And so that's the important thing, but. Doesn't make it any easier for the people who have to listen to that rhetoric mm. throughout their entire childhood. And just like I said, it's it's the stuff you also just internalize without even realizing it. That's oh
0: big time. Um when the birdcage came out, mm. we went and saw that with my parents and some of their friends. And because it was like it was a sign of masculinity mm. for you to talk about how not homosexual you were, how yeah. hetero you really truly were. So I can just remember my parent's friend, this guy, who is a lovely guy, but he was just squirming his way through watching that movie. And then when we got outside and he was saying, Mm. and when they kiss, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I don't know how any actor could ever kiss another man. That's just the most disgusting thing I could possibly imagine. So yeah, you very much do then take Mm. that on as the worst thing you could ever be in this world is gay. So if you ever think that you might be, just squash that, squash that, squash that as hard as you possibly can. (sighs) Mm. and then having this sort of thing coming through the media yeah. then makes you think, oh, it's not just gross and wrong, it's also dangerous. Yeah. I could very easily get killed. And apparently that would be legitimate and yeah. that would be on me.
1: <sighs>
0: Tough times. We've come a long way.
1: We have. but In some ways. Oh, God. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll get to um, Jonathan's dad is mm. a big reason why he has this right. stuff. So, Yeah. People liked Jonathan as mm. well. He's, he's very handsome. He's cute. There's, mm. a, I mean, there's a reason Scott liked him. He was cute. He seemed really lovely. He's, d- like, in court. Mm. um, He seemed really clean cut and put together and nice, and his lawyers did a really good job of presenting him just as, like, a kid who had freaked out. Mm. And they painted Scott, like, a caricature gay pervert. Like, he'd gone on this show and said things about his hard body and then mm. put a note on his thing and wouldn't leave him alone. And, And, I mean, really, you when you watch interviews with um, Scott's family, particularly his brother, he was just like, you know, a kind of a funny guy who Mm. kind of thought it was a joke. And Donna said later, we thought it was silly and funny and we would get a free trip. Mm. And it was never intended to be, uh, like, the way they framed him in court and the Mm. way, like, they made him out to be, like, some kind of weirdo gay, like, Mm. Um, predator, mm. but he we were friends and we thought as friends he would find it funny. Mm. Like you said, maybe he did, like, step over the line and pushed it, but mm. it was all just silliness, mm. they thought. That's what Donna said they thought. He could have uh, Jonathan and the prosecutors were hoping he would get the maximum conviction and sentence, which was first-degree murder and mm. that's life in prison. Mm. But because of the gay panic defence... Uh, he was found guilty of second-degree murder,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, which is just like kind of voluntary manslaughter. Like um, I think the difference basically is it's not premeditated. Something Mm -hmm. just happened in the moment, which means you're not as culpable. Mm -hmm. So he only got sentenced to 20 years in prison. Uh And the jury were very open about the fact they felt sorry for him and they didn't want to convict him, but on the law they had no choice. Mm -hmm. So they gave him the lowest sentence they could. A jury member was interviewed by Larry King, and Larry King asked her, did you like Jonathan? And I wrote this quote down. She said, oh, absolutely. I told my husband at the start of the trial, I wouldn't mind having a son like that. I think he's a wonderful person, and Mm. it's just an unhappy set of circumstances.
0: Oh, God.
1: That's what a jury member said. I'm not
0: surprised. I'm really not.
1: Even Scott's family said they didn't fully blame Jonathan. Scott's brother, who in all the interviews I've seen with him, is so poignant and has clearly thought a lot about every side of this over the years. He said, look, of course I blame Jonathan. He shot my brother, Mm. but I blame the producers just as much as him. It is Mm. their job to exploit people, and that's what they did here. Mm -hmm. And so this is when Jonathan got 20 years. Mm -hmm. This is when the tide really turned against the Jenny Jones show because Mm -hmm. people were like, It's crappy that Scott is dead. Mm. It's crappy that Jonathan got punished at all because Mm. who really should be punished is the Jenny Jones show. Like Mm. people didn't think that he didn't get long enough. They Mm. thought he got too long. They thought it was unfair. Mm. And so basically people were saying like, Jonathan, poor Jonathan. He's a sacrificial lamb. Like Scott, kind of got forgotten in the whole thing. It oh, was like, for- oh well, yeah, he got shot, but jo- like it was like Jonathan's the victim here. Jonathan is the victim of toxic talk show culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't help that Jenny Jones was really quite defiant that they had no blame in the situation at all. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's very, I think it's fair to say, no, no he shot someone in cold blood. You cannot mm. blame us. And also I think it was like if someone had revealed to their black friend that like if they were black and they revealed that they had a secret crush on them or if, mm. like a Jewish woman had revealed they had a secret crush on someone and then that person had gone and shot them, you mm. wouldn't be saying, oh, well, can you blame them? Mm. Like it's because of prejudice against this particular minority group of people against queer people
0: more acceptable exactly
1: Mm. and so jenny jones was trying to say that Mm. but she was also completely denying that they had any culpability and it's like no you can't do that either like Mm. there's it's so there's so many complex kind of sides to it Mm. but then the family of scott decided they were going to sue the jenny jones show Mm. like Mm. for civil damages Mm. um So that kept the media coverage of the whole thing going because we Mm -hmm. had the murder trial and now we've got the trial against the Jenny Jones show. Mm -hmm. And Scott's family hired this lawyer who was, like, super high profile and, like, loved the spotlight, was really good at press, Mm -hmm. really good at publicity. One of those lawyers who kind of encompasses that, what's that saying where they say um, litigators, so the lawyers that argue in court are the ones who get Cs and Ds when they're studying, but they're the best ones getting up at, like, they Mm -hmm. may not be the best at the law exams. But but they're they're, great orators. Yes, they're Mm. the showmen. That makes a good litigator. So that's the kind of guy they had. And he went on every news show, every radio show, basically saying, we are going to take Jenny Jones down. Mm. Like, this is awful. Like, he got people hating the show. Mm -hmm. He, during the trial, got producers um, on the stand and basically revealed a lot of the tactics they used to manipulate people to get them to come on the show, to mm-hmm. manipulate people to partake in embarrassing displays that they mm-hmm. probably wouldn't yep. if they hadn't had a producer, you know.
0: Encouraging them to humiliate themselves. Yes, to
1: humiliate themselves. And, like, this was the first time, and because this was all on court TV, so people were watching, this was the first time people were thinking about or hearing about the fact that, that these shows really do manipulate people. And Mm. these shows were insanely popular, but this was the first time people were hearing producers reveal how the sausage is really made and it's gross and it's ugly Mm. and people didn't like it. Um, The producers came off really arrogant and they also clearly started dropping some stuff that, may or may not be true. Like, one producer on the stand said that Scott had called him the next night really excited, saying um, he and Jonathan had kissed after the show, and they were like, well, why didn't you bring that up during the murder trial? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you only bringing that up now when your show's on the hook for gazillions of dollars? Like, it was just, it just was all <laughs> a total, like, um, a mess. mess. yeah, A total <laughs> mess. You can see also where, in this civil trial, mm-hmm like I said before, where a lot of the toxic masculinity Jonathan felt and a lot of the homophobia he felt where it came from and it is quite clearly from his dad. Right. So they get his father on the stand and his father seems pretty much only interested in reiterating the fact that Jonathan is not gay. Mm-hmm. When he heard that producer say that he and Scott had kissed, that made him enraged and so he on the stand he just wants to say he's not gay, he's not gay, he's only ever had girlfriends, he's a big man, like, mm-hmm. you know. Also, they got him to admit that he told Jonathan, Jonathan called him the night of the show and his dad was like, how did it go? Who was it? Was it Donna? And he said it didn't go well, dad. It was a guy. It was Scott. Mm. And his dad went ballistic at him Mm. on the phone. He insinuated and a question is put to him and the father doesn't deny it that that night he told Jonathan the only way he could save his dignity and his reputation would be to beat the shit out of or kill Scott. Yeah. And that question is put to him and Jonathan's father and his homophobia is so entrenched and he's so proud of the fact that he feels this way, he doesn't deny the fact that he told his son to kill this man. Mm. He's like, yeah, wouldn't you?
0: It's so sad, but that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Mm.
1: So watching his father on the stand is actually really kind of heartbreaking and you see the nature of how he grew up and the mm. homophobia he grew up entrenched with. And even Scott's brother said, you know what, I don't know if that kiss thing happened. I don't know if he was gay, if he mm. wasn't. When I saw his father on the stand, it didn't surprise me that Donna had said um, his family questioned him about it all the time. Probably not because he seemed it or there was any hint of it. It's just because mm. it's his father's worst nightmare. So mm. he probably just asked him about it all the time. Mm. Scott's brother said, you know, it doesn't matter if he was or he wasn't. What matters is he was so freaked out by anybody thinking one way or the other, mm. that homophobia led him to make this horrific choice. Yeah. He said, you know, there aren't excuses for what he did, but when you see his father, you see that there are reasons. Mm. There are reasons. But then Scott's brother said, but it wouldn't have happened Mm. if it wasn't for the Jenny Jones show. He said, quote, we're talking about experimenting on people for ratings and seeing what they'll do if we put them in a certain kind of situation and that's what they did. They lit the fuse. Yeah, big time. Yeah. For ratings. For ratings, for for money.
0: And they did actually air the show? It sounds like you've no. seen it.
1: They never aired the show, but clips were shown, clips of what they had filmed were shown in all the court right. cases. So there's clips mm-hmm. around that you can see the footage of the show, but it never aired. Mm-hmm. Everybody was waiting for Jenny Jones to take the stand. Mm-hmm because this crazy lawyer they'd hired who was, like, in the press, he was basically, like, saying, I'm going to decimate her. It's going to be the showdown of the century. Everyone's got to watch it. And it kind of became ironic because it was this trial about how a TV spectacle led to someone's murder had now itself turned into a TV Mm -hmm. spectacle. And uh, Scott's brother said the family found that really difficult to grapple with because, on the one hand, they needed the lawyer to drum up negative attention against the Jenny Jones show to help them successfully sue the Jenny Jones show. Mm. So, I mean, you know, if it's on Court TV and it's making people angry, then that helps our case. Yeah. But the company that owned the Jenny Jones show also owned Court TV. Oh. And so he was like, they were still just making money mm. off this no matter what. Yeah. Like, it was all going to them and it was all, my brother was dead. Mm. And we were suing them on a channel in which they were making money off us trying to get justice for our loved one. Oh. Like, the whole thing is just this media monster racking mess.
0: It's so gross. They are profiting from and continuing to promote this idea that gay people are the most scandalous, mm-hmm. salacious other mm-hmm. um, that can sort of be fetishized and monetized in this way. And, oh, yeah. Mm.
1: she was defiant on the stand would not acquiesce that her show had done anything wrong the lawyer did decimate her he made her look bad Mm. like she just wouldn't like I said before if she said you know sure like our show did play a part in putting this whole situation into action like we lit the few whatever but you know obviously I guess she can't admit that Mm. but um she just wouldn't even acquiesce or accept the tiniest bit of culpability and it made people hate her, it made people hate the show, it made people like hate TV culture in general, even though they're all going to keep watching. Mm. So that her on the stand getting decimated the way she did and coming off really cold and bitchy, although she did make some good points about the fact like Mm. you would never be blaming us for this unless it was a a queer person, like Mm. someone from the queer community. Because, like, otherwise it would never even be a question that shooting someone is wrong. Of course it is. Like, mm. but, yeah, people hated her. So after she was on the stand, it was pretty clear they were going to win. Mm. The jury agreed that she sucked and the show sucked. They found the Jenny Jones show culpable in Scott's death and mm. awarded his family $25 million. Yay.
0: good. But, but they'd lost their brother, was, son.
1: Yes, and that verdict was overturned three years later (gasps) on appeal. Because, like I said, the lawyer was a great litigator, Mm. great at putting on a show, great at drumming up publicity, but on the law he didn't do a good job. Right. So when the case and the verdict got taken to three judges on appeal, they read it and they were like, no, you didn't actually win this on the law. We have to overturn it. So in the end Scott's family got nothing.
0: And was the show punished? Were they shut down?
1: No. This is where I tell you where everyone ended up. Oh, God. The Jenny Jones show stayed on air until 2003. Ew. Stayed on air throughout this whole thing. They never showed the episode with Scott and Jonathan mm. and Donna, but it stayed on air every day, five days a week, in the middle of the day. With
0: the same format. Yep. The same gotcha moments, mm-hmm. ambush TV. All
1: the same stuff. Oh. Didn't go off air until 2003, and even then it was just because, you know- it just kind of fizzled out as a show. There wasn't mm. any grand kind of thing.
0: If anything, their ratings probably got a really
1: probably unnecessary boom. Jenny Jones remained defiant over the years. She's only ever given like one or two interviews about it. And in those interviews, there was one where I wrote this down because I couldn't believe it. When she was asked what she thought was the biggest tragedy in the whole situation, she said, It made me very cynical about the press who rushed to judgment for the sake of a sensational story.
0: Oh, for God's sake. Like? The press are sensationalists? I'm sorry. (laughs) Pot, (laughs) kettle. Yes,
1: right, and also that clearly she considers herself the biggest victim in that she got blamed for something that she doesn't think she should have been blamed for. Like when they said what's the biggest tragedy about this, not someone died, oh, the press made me look bad.
0: She's so gross. I yeah. do not like her at all. Yeah. What happened to her after two
1: thousand and three? I know? don't know. I've sort of looked around. I think she's still just a bit of a media lady mm. out and about, but she hasn't she hosted made a show to since. retire. Yeah. Oh, mm. for sure. Jonathan Schmitz—that was his last name. Mm. He was released from prison in twenty seventeen after twenty two years. Oh, okay. So he's out. There was a lot of cameras there when he left for mm. a while. People like TMZ, Daily Mail TV were following him around, (laughs) annoying him, but then it just kind of fizzled. People didn't care. I wanted to look up the gay panic defence. Yeah. It's been banned by a lot of countries. Not that long ago, though, South Australia only started the process of officially banning it in the end of 2019. Oh, (laughs) It was meant to be, the case was meant to be heard in 2020, but I couldn't find any information about whether COVID has pushed that off the table Mm. or not. Every other state in Australia has banned gay panic as Uh a defence. Some states in the US have banned it, not all. Mm. Last year, a few senators tried to put through a federal law, so a Mm. national law saying it doesn't matter what the state says, we are banning gay panic as a defence but it didn't get voted through. Mm -hmm. So in the US, it's discouraged as a defence, but some people still use it in Mm -hmm. some states where it is allowed. But, I mean, I think regardless of whether it's allowed, whether it's not, whether people are putting through things saying that's banned, it's awful, the implication is still there that it's understandable to react with violence Mm -hmm. to an LGBTQI person Mm -hmm. that makes you... Even minimally uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the implication is still there because we're even still debating banning it. Mm. Mm. Like, I. Yeah,
0: We have definitely made a lot of progress, but there is still a lot more progress yeah. to be made. Um, the good news is that individuals can change, and mm. then with each individual that change, that then has a knock-on effect for the culture. And by the way, my parents' friend who was freaking out watching The Birdcage mm. and having that major traumatic um, homophobic response ended up having a gay son who he oh. absolutely loves oh. and adores and he really regrets the way that he used to behave. Yeah. Um, I think just the snowball effect of so many more people coming out now and yeah. gay people being treated less like freaks like they were on the Jenny Jones show and yeah. more as just normal human beings is having a bigger and bigger impact month by month by month, which has been really fantastic to see over the last few decades. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there definitely still is a very long way to go.
1: Well, I mean, those shows lasted. I mean, Mori Povich was doing the DNA says you are not the father, I think that's still going or, like, maybe it's just finished recently. Mm. So, I mean, they it's not like they learnt anything. Mm. And I think probably the major companies, when that appeal went through, they were like, well, they can't get us. Mm. Like, we can get ratings. And even though people, like, say they're outraged and say they can't believe it and the tox—the culture is so toxic you're obviously watching yeah. because it's getting the ratings, oh, yeah. so mm.
0: <sighs> <sighs> wow, that is a really, really, really sad story.
1: It's a sad story. it's also um it's crazy that I think more people haven't heard of it, mm. and it's also crazy, I think that it didn't happen more mm. like i'm I'm shocked at the positions they put people in. That more people who were raised in a really toxically like toxic masculinity filled environment in homophobic environments in you know I would say there's probably with a lot of women like in environments where they're anti-feminist and all those kinds of things if they're putting people on these shows and messing with them like that Mm. I I'm shocked it didn't happen more than this Mm. Do you think
0: and Maybe it has Maybe it and did. it's been hidden really, really well. Yeah. Um but I mean, oh this is just absolutely tragic and so disgusting that they weren't held mm. more accountable for the things that they did. I and know. that sort of culture of T V was allowed to keep going for decades afterwards.
1: And he's free now. He shot mm. someone in cold he walked in with a shotgun and shot him twice in the chest. And he only got twenty two years in prison. Mm.
0: And has he made any sort of statements, repenting?
1: I looked. I tried looking. He's tried to just stay out of the spotlight as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. I just found footage of him around the time he got released, you know, of cameras chasing him and stuff, but I couldn't find anything else. Mm. So, um, yeah. That's <sighs> the story of the Jenny Jones murder mm. of, we should say his name, Scott Aberdour is his name. Mm-hmm. People call it the Jenny Jones murder, but his name is Scott We give you just the gist. But if you want more, I got a lot of this from a TV documentary series called Trial by Media. And this is the first episode of that. And it's not a cheesy true crime show. It's a really beautifully made show. It's um, partly executive produced by George Clooney, who is very vocal about his hatred of toxic press and all Mm. that kind of stuff. Um, So it's a really beautifully made uh, documentary episode. It goes for about an hour and a half. And, um, you know, they basically talk through everything. We just talk through. And then for the last five minutes of the show, there's no music and there's just all these really beautiful photos of Scott throughout his life Mm. to kind of make you remember, this isn't the Jenny Jones murder. This isn't the reality TV show murder. This isn't the talk show murder. This isn't the gay panic murder. This is a murder of a man called Scott Abadour who...
0: Mm. Had a family and a life and a history. And a life
1: and friends and history. And he did this thing that he kind of... Thought was cutesy and funny, and mm. and because of who he was inherently as a person, because of his sexuality, people debated whether it was okay that he was murdered.
0: Yeah, was he actually a human?
1: Yeah, mm. so I, yeah, I really recommend watching um, episode one of Trial by Media. The episode's called Talk Show Murder. Mm. And you get to see a lot of uh, really beautiful pictures of um, Scott. And they talk a lot to his brother, which is where mm-hmm. I got a lot of those quotes from. Also, the podcast Criminal. You know, do you ever listen to Criminal? With Not for ages. I'm but... Phoebe Judge, <laughs> who's the most beautiful voice in the entire world. They do an episode um, more broadly on the gay panic defense, but mm. they talk a lot about this um, during that episode. So those mm-hmm. are the two things I kind of looked at. And there's a gazillion articles. We'll put the links in the show notes. But yeah.
0: But Can we also maybe put in a couple of links to some counselling yes. services just in case this does bring up anything for anyone because the LGBT community, um, you know, because of the vilification that they feel, particularly in more rural communities. Mm. Um, this might stir a little something up, so we'll put some links in the show notes there for places you can go for help if you feel like you need it.
1: Very smart. Mm. I think, yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. We'll put in a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's it.
0: Cool. Well, thank you. (laughs) A very interesting story. I do think um, the most optimistic thing that we can take out of that is the fact that we have made a lot of progress Mm. in the last couple of decades since that happened. Um, There's definitely still more ground to cover, Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm hopeful for the future Mm. based on the progress we have made.
1: I know. I never quite know how to end these episodes where it's a bit of a downer. Yeah. um... Uh let's replay that audio of us winning. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Turn your volume down. The judges said this gold award winner has made them sound really smart at dinner parties. <laughs> Okay, that that brought things right back up. All right, we love you. Love you. Love you next week. Bye. Bye.